0: The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. G'day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 6th of January. It's also Super Buy January here. Actually, you're getting uh, some of our guests to pick their super buy stock that is screaming buy right now. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, To our guests, our experts for the show, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital and Jumba Lu from Tribicate Investment Partners. Welcome to both of you. Happy New Year. Uh, Jumbe, beginning of a new year, how are you looking at uh, 2023 with, I guess, consensus being that, It's going to be, continue to be difficult, at least for the first six months.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Happy New Year, everyone. And thank you for having me. Look, at beginning of the year, <laughs> um, this is actually this week and next week is where we start doing positioning for the year ahead. And my view is that uh, if you look across the entire 12 month, things actually will be pretty good. I think net net, the share market will be higher than it was uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, just a few days ago. And uh, however, like you said, first six months, it's going to be tough. In fact, first three months, it's going to be really tough. It's mainly because uh, corporate earnings are still a little bit too high. The expectation needs to come down there will be downgrades in the next few months uh not just australian market is around the world um and uh, consumers is going to tighten their belt corporates tightening their belt and you know many markets around the world will be hitting technical recession at least so things will be tough in the first six months but in the second half of part of the year we do think the equity market will, will be roaring back and uh that is just on the back of you know inflation uh potentially will be uh, uh under control uh, just given the tough. Uh, sort of uh, uh, economic reality in the first six months. And we think interest rate will be at least stable at where it is um, before it goes down in next, um, maybe next year. Uh, so all that together is actually pretty good for the equity market. So net net, good market, but you've got to stay active so that you can make money on the way down and on the way up.
0: Yeah, Luke, um, what's your approach then? Are you sort of um, adjusting your portfolio at this point? And, and I mean, do you agree with Junbei's outlook there for the year?
2: I do, Andrew. I think that's a really good insight from from Junbei. Um, you know, if you think about what drives stock prices, it's it's earnings and obviously the multiple that the market wants to pay. And um, 2022 was a year where you saw the hit to that multiple come through as interest rate rose, risk-free rates rose, um, and, and the multiples came down. But earnings were quite stable. And I think um, everyone is predicting that that bite to come through from that lag effect of interest rates hitting consumers, hitting that general economic cycle. And everyone's sort of expecting... Um, in particular, this reporting season for the US coming up, um, and, and maybe the first three six months of 2023. So, um, I, I agree with that point from Junbei that that next leg where we're really watching closely is what do the earnings do? Because I, I suspect we've seen the the peak of that um, multiple compression cycle. It looks like inflation has has sort of peaked. You know, there might be a couple of interest rate rises left, but I, I'm I'm fairly certain it'll be no more than that. Um, So it comes down now to to what are the earnings going to do to to drive these stock prices. Um, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than some on earnings. I I think businesses have proven to be really resilient over the last few years through COVID and and through all the effects that have come with it. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if they continue to be pretty resilient and and, and sort of surprise people to the upside. Um, So, yes, look, I'm I'm overall pretty positive on the market after a rough 2022. Um, How it plays out, you know, first half to second half, that'll be tough. But I think if you do have that sort of a bit, bit more medium term view maybe maybe over 12 24 months i do agree the market probably does okay from here
0: all right well let's uh take a look at those stocks we're going to be looking at in the first half of the show uh jb hi-fi zero seek rea group and dusk now um instead of stock of the day as we've been doing through the course of the week we're asking our experts for their super bites a stock that's screaming to be bought right now and Jube, you've come up with ramsey healthcare um it is the private hospital network uh property rich obviously uh also had that that bid from kkr um but uh, of course that never eventuated so why are you liking ramsey at the moment
1: look um i feel like this has been a screaming buy for quite some time uh it is a stock absolutely represent value a premium hospital group um, that is not just in Australia, number one in Australia and moved to, uh, to France and the UK, um, has a lot of premium asset, actual property, physical property sitting on the balance sheet that is not properly revalued. That's a few billion dollars worth. So, you know, the company was trading at such deep value, uh, hence why it attracted um, private equity purchaser, um, even at such over $20 billion sort of market cap. Now, um, clearly the market dislocation with the bond yield, with the interest rate move, uh, sort of has, you know, saw that deal fell apart on very small uh, changes to um, to the final price. Um, and, um, you know, there, there is rumor that they might come back, but put that aside, the company still represents significant amount of value. Um, and, um, you know, the earnings is probably one of the few companies still yet to recover to pre-COVID level in terms of earnings. Private hospital is still uh, going through its, um, its waiting list and, uh, you know, taking time to go back to its full capacity, but rest assured, Earning will grow more than 100% this year and will grow double digit in the next few years just to catch up on that backlog, um, aside from the asset value itself is sitting on the balance sheet. So to me, it's a very defensive play and it's a defensive growth business um, that its earning will not be dependent on the economic reality. We will have recession around the world, but this company is not going to be impacted and its earning is still, yeah, has still got a significant a significant tailwind from the comparing to the pre-COVID level.
0: All right. So, yeah, you're finding uh, Ramsey Healthcare as compelling value right now. Luke, you are looking at Prophecy International. That's uh, Global Software Solutions. What's a combination of Snare and eMite? Tell us more.
2: Yeah, look, Andrew, this was my selection for the Christmas crackers. It's one that I've been uh, most recently purchased with Meriwether Capital. So I thought, you know, I'd be I'd be sort of doing the viewers an injustice if I didn't pick it as my super buyer because it's sort of money where the mouth is. Um, look, John Bay, that's a great pick with Ramsey, 15 bill market cap. I agree, very defensive healthcare asset. Um, I, I've come much more riskier, Andrew. So this is a super buy, but but only for those investors who can stomach the extra risk of a micro cap. Um, I've covered it a few times. so I won't go too in depth on the on the product, but but yes, two two product suites. Um, for me, I think as investors, you know, we need to become comfortable with looking at stocks um that are sort of against the, the the momentum or the or the um you know flow of the market and for me when i when i think about what are the most beaten down sectors on the market we'll cover a few later on in retail i think that's a, an interesting hunting ground but the other one is micro cap tech um and, and don't get me wrong i i think you know uh through 2021 and um, than the, the big pullback in 2022. A lot of that is probably deserved. Too many of them run well ahead of themselves. Um, the fundamentals never matched where the share prices went. But babies always get thrown out with the bathwater. And, and for me, Prophecy is one of those stocks, um, you know, generate solid growth like a lot of those tech stocks through 2021. Um, you know, last year, 70% growth in ARR. But the important one is it's cash positive. And to me, that's what sets it apart from a lot of the other micro-cap tech that's deservedly being sold off. Um, and that's why I think something like this offers a bit of an opportunity. It's, it's been lumped into that basket and I think undeservedly so. So it's my super buy. It's my Christmas cracker. It's one I most recently bought from Rayweather. Um, yeah, Prophecy International.
0: All right, good one. There are two stocks to consider for you. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, JB Hi-Fi. Uh, Baron, one about this: uh, It is that uh, the retailer. In fact, just looking uh, the past year, FY twenty two online sales grew close to fifty three percent, which helped its its up uh, by uh, more than seven. However, it lost about fifteen percent of its um, of its market value there over the course of twenty twenty two. So, Luke, I guess, would you call this, this sort of straddles both uh, discretionary and non-discretionary, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, look, I, I guess so to a degree. I, I think most of it you lump in, um, maybe not discretionary, but but those sort of wholesale um, white goods. Um, you know, it's not stuff that you're going out and buying every you know, every few months, every year, and so uh, the expectation for the market is you had a big pull forward of, of that sort of demand through COVID, and it'll be tough for this business to, to cycle the growth that it's 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 had over the last couple of years. But look, I mean in the intro, Andrew, I, I sort of said businesses have been much more resilient than what people have expected. And, and to me, nothing embodies that more than, than retailers. Um you know, I, I think that this earnings cliff that we expect them to fall over, um it, it is likely to come. I don't think it'll be as rapid as what people suspect. It'll most likely be um you know just more muted growth over a, a couple of years rather than just one single period of, of you know a really sharp negative result. Um, But, but, you know, JB Hi-Fi, even at the the AGM, um, you know, 15% growth year on year, they're still growing strongly, even in, in what we expect should be a tough consumer environment. Um, you know the the note i jotted down we've got brilliant retailers on the asx and and, you know in in the country in general i think these guys are are number one though Um, you could maybe put premier investments up alongside them Um, trading on this than nine times earnings like i said still growing at that headline level but the question is 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 over the macro you know we expect interest rate rises to start to bite the consumer jb hi-fi likely struggles in that environment so so how do you balance that as an investor i think just comes down to your time frame if you're looking at JB Hi-Fi as a short-term investment over the next three, six months, it's probably one you stay away from because there are a lot of question marks over what will happen when that fixed interest rate um, period does end for, for the majority of consumers. But again, I mean, I think you know, longer term, if you're able to buy a stock like JB Hi-Fi and less than double-digit earnings, history would show that you do you know, fantastically well as an investor. It's a business that's weathered you know, tough consumer environments in the past. Um, and I expect them to be able to weather this one. So, you know, it, it's a tough one to just say buy, hold, sell, Andrew, because I think there's timeframes at play here. But, but if we take the view of, let's say, two-, three-year view, I think you could easily buy something like JB Hi-Fi and, and, and do um, pretty well over, over that sort of medium-term time frame.
0: All right. Good one. Jumbei, your thoughts on JB Hi-Fi?
1: Look, um, JB Half Eye is one I will be um, probably be selling. Um, a lot of that, you know, so to me, um, retailers, uh, a mature retailer, you do need to, um, you know, trade their cycles because um, they will do well for a few years when things does well. And then when consumer turns, because they're mature retailers, their uh, earnings, their everything will turn quite quickly. And remember, retailer is a business, retail business is something that, um, you know, start every day with zero dollar. You need the consumer to be strong enough, feeling confident enough to walk into the store and to buy things. And hopefully they buy enough to cover your fixed costs. So, you know, that whole, um, so retailer during good environment, their operating leverage is, is very, very positive. So, you know, their earnings can grow significantly, even for a mature retailer. Uh, but in the downturn, when things started turning negative, uh, it is very, very difficult. For a good retailer like JB High fi they might be okay. But the uh, deleverage, operating deleverage, will be significant because you still have to cover all the people that is sitting in your, um, that you know, that is running your shop, opening your shop every day, um, and not enough demand to really coming through and cover that. So you know, it's going to be a very tough environment. And Lucas is absolutely right; things are going to uh, get a lot tougher. And what we have heard is that Christmas, from Christmas, consumer electronics is a little bit tough remember how much consumer electronics product we have bought in the last years because of pandemic it just all pointing to is going to be pretty soggy next six months so uh look for jb hi-fi um you know as an investor i really do think you can find better entry points um put your money elsewhere um you know the uh when things started turning negative um the downgrade is never in the uh in the numbers and never in the price so um so for me this is something that you you know probably wait for a better entry point more confidence over what happens to consumer Mm. when the fixed uh, rate rolls off um and um yeah buy something else instead
0: okay all right well let's see if the next stock is one of those given how it's been punished i'm talking about zero it is the cloud accounting software business in fact it was one of the worst performers over 2022 down around 50 percent um, so what's the outlook, particularly given the macro environment at the moment? Uh, Joombe, what are your thoughts then on zero?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. I actually do really like this business. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible business, great track record, uh, demonstrating the ability to grow into different markets, um, which many tech couldn't do. Um, so it's an incredible business. Now, um, my point for me, it's it's at a neutral but i'm i'm thinking it's looking very interesting at the moment so um for the tech company next 12 months i do think the growth company will do a little bit better than the cyclical just because we're heading into a, you know, uh, sort of uncertain uh, sort of economic environment. So that means that uh, the valuation for a lot of the growth company can deliver growth, uh, they will be highly sought after. So Luke talked about the valuation crunch that took place in the last 12 months, probably is done. So, you know, I do think the value uh, value is presenting for a company like Zero, but the challenge is if the earning gets downgraded for any of the tech or growth company, um, they will still get sold off. Um, so for zero, I'm just a little bit nervous that you know uk is probably which is a big growth market for this company. it's probably heading into a very slow, economic environment if not recession um, and a whole lot worse than what we're experiencing here in australia um, and it's far ahead of us so Z- zero operates in that sme space um you know it does worry me a little bit but that's why the share price is there um i do think you know next six months present really good buying opportunity for this company you don't buy it for six months you buy it for the next five years because it is demonstrating the demand for its product so for me it's a neutral at this point but i'm looking to buy
0: Okay, Luke, do you agree?
2: Um, Yes, roughly, Andrew. I think the biggest problem I have with Zero is the. The market sort of got really excited about the international potential for zero. Um, that established such a fantastic core in Australia and New Zealand, um, really profitable, um, you know, very low churn, just that classic software business where you just extract that long-term value out of your customers. And the idea of being able to go to the UK, go to the US, and, and and roll that out again in much larger markets was, you know, the the reason why the stock was was trading as expensive it did. And I think the problem is is that. There's been some success in the UK, but I agree with Junbei, there's signs that that's probably starting to to weaken a little bit, likely due to the macro issues they're facing. Um, But the US in particular has been a really tough slog for these guys. Um, Even now, you know, they they do a really good job. I I give management a lot of credit. They they provide a lot of metrics in their reporting um, presentations they do to the market. Um, and they're very upfront about the, the cost of acquisition. And if you look at the international segments, that really hasn't come down over the last sort of five to six halves. Um, You know, still around sort of 22 months to to get a payback on the cost of acquiring uh, a new customer. In Australia, that's only about eight. So, you know, that's that's sort of the problem is you just haven't seen that business model really start to get traction overseas. And I think that's why, you know, the market has sort of soured on a little bit last year until you start to see some of that move forward. Now, the last half was was probably even worse. They only added 75,000 net subscribers internationally. Um, you know that was that was one of the lowest numbers they've had in in some time so look I agree with John Bay I think a lot of that's a bit macro driven it, it might not be a total indictment on the business and, and the product but um, I would stay on the sidelines for now. Like, it's one I would like to own. I think it's a fantastic business. So it's not one that you ignore and, and, and sort of look elsewhere. It's just about when do you buy it, what valuation, and, and, and sort of what are you looking for? And for me, I, I would sit on the sidelines and I'll just really focus on that international segment. We know Australia is fantastic. We know they extract great earnings and cash out of that, but it's can they get that international businesses really humming like they have here? And, and just right now, they're just not showing the signs that that's really coming together as much as what you would hope. So... Keep an eye on that. And if you do see that start to tick up, it's one you would look to enter into, but sidelines for now.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. Let's move on to SEEK. Um, it is the employment website, um, obviously dominant here in Australia, but also has a presence in what, Southeast Asia, also uh, Latin America, I think what, Brazil, uh, also Mexico. Um, once again, its share price has suffered over the past 12 months, off close to, And Luke, I mean, you have to be mindful of what's going to happen in the jobs market here too, with projections, obviously, the deteriorating economy. And it's what central banks want to see those job losses.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, particularly in the US, uh, it, it's difficult to attack the consumer when they've got, you know, fixed fixed home rates over there. So you sort of have to go through the jobs market. It's it's not as bad here, but but you'd certainly get that that contagion. Um, look, it, it's been resilient. Again, I, I think that's that's the theme I'll come back to for a lot of these businesses. It, it's been so resilient, that jobs market and, and Seek, um, even at their last AGM update, they did note that, that year on year, there's been some sort of cycling, some tough comps. It's gone backwards a little bit, um, but getting a better yield, on the on the advertisements through some higher margin products and and i think applicants per job was up quite strongly as well so um it's a tough one like we go back to the retailers and we we expect this cliff to come through at some point and and i think you know can unemployment rates remain at at, you know sub three and a half percent history suggests they can't but again it's it's been much more resilient than what everyone has expected um it's been hit quite hard the valuation has come back to you know 28 times earnings um that's it's it's probably expensive for a business that's not hyper growth anymore. It's a much more mature business than than what it's been in the past. Um, I think what makes it tough is the growth historically has come from their international segments. And Seek wasn't one that I'd looked at too closely for a while, Andrew. And when I went back, they've they've bundled up their international segments into a fund, which is now being managed by the vehicle. I think it makes it a bit hard to sort of figure out, moving forward, exactly how those investments are performing. So I'll just keep an eye on that if you're an investor. It'll be quite opaque I think as to as to how those international segments are doing um, but look you know the, the business is very much driven by that domestic operations which is still holding up quite well generates a lot of profits a lot of cash 28 times earnings is pretty steep I, I think you hold it at, at this level I, I'd be I, I wouldn't be buying until maybe dipped a little bit further all those earnings you know aren't as impacted as what people think and, and it maybe trades maybe around that sort of mid-20s 24 25 would, would be a little bit more attractive to me Um, But look, I would would definitely hold it. I I don't think this is the sort of business that you sell, um, you know, at at, at today's sort of valuation, given the pullback you've already had.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'll hold in for now for Seek. Junbei, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, um, because we're active investors, so, um, you know, we do long and we do short um, and uh, we see we seek to outperform the market at any point in time. Um, So, you know, for me, a lot of times um, I look at a stock, I always ask myself why. Why do I hold it? What's my expected return and the like? Seek is one of those stock. I can tell you, the share price is probably not going any higher um, for the next 12 months. Um, things are going to get a little bit harder. It will trade like exactly as Luke said. It will trade a bit like the retailers. Um, retailers has been trading on um, sort of pending earning cliff over the last two years, and share price pretty much has gone nowhere. You know actually started going lower now um, and um, you know just all because even though they deliver a massive amount of earnings uh, earnings growth every uh, share market well the equity investor always look forward to the next 12 months knowing there's a clip pending um, so it's very hard for um, any future investor of or- you know, your next buyer to pay more uh, to argue that you know the 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 um, you know it should be trading on high valuation. Share price should go higher when the earning will shrink. Um, so you know so it's very important for me to see the earnings trajectory and that is probably going down in the next 12 months. Um, it's a great business. Um, its growth business is doing well, um, but it is becoming a little bit more opaque. I just think in the next 12 months the share price is probably going nowhere. For me, I'd much rather to take that money out, put into something else. Um, That is probably another growth company that earnings will actually grow in the next 12 months.
0: So I'm taking that as a sell then, deploy your money elsewhere.
1: (laughs) Profit taking.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Well, let's move on to what is not a a dissimilar uh, business, REA Group from jobs into real estate, uh, obviously has realestate.com.au. Um, and clearly the focus here, as we're talking about with Jobs with Seek, we're talking about where real estate is moving at the moment with those property falls, as that affects just the number of people that are advertising. Jumbe, what's, um how then do you, do you look at REA Group?
1: look I think REA, as you said is similar uh, area but theres slight difference is that REA is probably one of the highest quality company in this enlisted uh, in the Australian markets um not only they have benefit from the you know the the digital penetration of all of that and dominant market share uh, they also managed to monetize that not many tech company are, have been able to do that and they have done that for so many years and they have done it year in year out and you know con- the, while continue to cement their, their position. Now, um, as we touched on before, earning the next 12 months, uh, sorry, next six months might be a little bit tougher because it is heading down. We're seeing all the listings down significantly, prices down. Uh, but this company does have other, um, you know, lever to pull. Fo- it's one is the, you know, we talked about monetization that's continue to grow and we have seen them done better um, than domain. um you know, while domain is really struggling a little bit in the market that's kind of falling. Uh, so next six months is tough for this company. Company. It's a hold for me because I will be looking at entry point into this business um, mainly because its ability to actually grow, you know, the revenue that charge per, you know, uh, uh, to monetize its uh, its base and its market position. Um, and at the same time, they're very soon in the next six to eight months they will be start cycling some of those weak numbers, um, and that's when you actually see meaningful growth. Um, this is also not to mention in the previous cycle, um, you know, listings um, does stabilize and um, and when listing. Uh, how listing translate into earnings um it doesn't quite exactly um translate so all of that together i think the company will do better than expected um, but the sentiment will push the share price down and that's a buying opportunity it's a whole for me for now
2: okay luke um yeah look like i said on zero andrew i'm a micro cap investor so i'm not looking at these sort of larger stocks day in day out and you know hadn't looked at rea for a while came back to it and and you know just it it is such an amazing business i agree with with junbei there it's it probably is you know top top three top five on the asx just for the sheer quality of the business um now you know bulls in in the stock there's been housing bears for a long time as, as we know and when people talk about rea um you know people positive the stock have always made this point that even if listings do slow down, that the stock could still hold up okay because, um, you know, they could drive a better yield on the on those listings as, as ads stay on the site for longer and, and, you know, people pivot to higher margin products to try and move their homes, things like that. I always questioned whether that, you know, we, it hadn't really been tested, this thesis, and I questioned, you know, how, how accurate is it? And look, to be honest, at their AGM update, um, they gave a, a, an update through October and, and they made a point that listings were down 18%, but yield on those listings were up double digits. So it, it does appear there is some some validity to this idea that that even in a tough environment for listings, they can actually be quite resilient driving a higher yield on, on what's existing as, as I, I guess buyers are probably more desperate, willing to pay more, um, and listings do stagnate and maybe have to be relisted numerous times before, before houses sell. So um, 36 times earnings is, is, you know, historically probably an okay price for REA, but you're going into, into a tougher environment than what they've experienced in the past. I, I probably come to the same, put, same point as Junbei. I think it is a hold. Um, if you've held it for a while or it's a larger position in your portfolio, there's probably an argument on just taking a little bit of profits and maybe, maybe just de-weighting that, that position size um, just over the uncertainty over the next few months, um, you know as, as those interest rate rate interest rate rises really start to bite and it feels like there might be another one or two left um, but but fair credit to the business and, and to management I think it's clear that even if they do go through a rough period over the next maybe six 12 months mm. um, they can really weather that storm and 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 Again, I agree with Junbei, they probably come out stronger the other side because I feel like Domain would, would cop it worse than they would and, and, and REA would likely steal some strong market share from them. So it's a hold for me, maybe unless you've got it as a, as a bit of a higher weight in your portfolio. I think there's an argument there, just to just to take a little bit off and, and, and de-risk some of it.
0: Okay, that is REA Group. Let's get back into retail and... Um the specialty retailer dusk uh, it is consumer discretionary it's um talking about those uh, those home fragrances was a COVID winner since then though it has struggled you look at the share price particularly over the past year down around
2: 35 percent uh thereof Uh, luke though what does the future hold well that's the million dollar question andrew i i really really like dusk as a business i think they do a lot of good things as a retailer um, you know like LaVissa and JB Hi-Fi they run really good um, compact store um, footprints so you know a lot of gross profit per per square meter in their stores they run a membership model where where people pay $10 um, for a two year membership and 65% of their sales come from that member network so you know a little bit like Costco in the US you're using that membership to really drive that repeat purchasing for a product that otherwise would be very ad hoc and you and, and, um, you you know, very cyclical, I suppose. Um, Junbei made a fantastic point on JB Hi-Fi, which is that it is a mature retailer. And and I actually... Fully agree with her point that mature retailers don't have the benefit of a store rollout, which can weather that that you know small may not be small actually, but the the cycles you would see in consumer demand. They're they're much more um, exposed to that. Um, You know, Dusk has still got a store rollout going. Australia is is um, getting towards maturity, but only just tapping New Zealand and sort of flagged the UK as the next um, the next avenue for growth. Uh, Look, I I don't own it with Meriwether Capital. It's one I've got on my watch list. It's just that outlook over a really what i think is a product that is really discretionary as a consumer um you know i i i I agree with Bay's point that she made on JB. I think this is something you probably just sit on the sidelines until you just get more confidence in where the consumer is. Um, but it's a stock, particularly along the, uh, among those micro cap retailers. Um, I think these guys are, are head and shoulders above some of their peers in, in that sort of smaller space, um, you know, doing some of those good things that you want to see a retailer do. So it's one I would like to own. Um, it's a very reasonable price, only about six times earnings, but it's that forward, you know, what does that forward earnings look like as we as we approach that that consumer, um, potential consumer problems? Um, so, look, I'm on the sidelines. It's one I would like to own, and, and I think that's the way to play it, just until you get more confidence around that consumer.
0: Mm, all right. Well, Joombe, would you like to own it? Uh, no, it's, uh, I'd sell
1: it. Uh, yeah. I actually... Right. You- <laughs> I must say for the first time I bought some candles from there uh, in many years and they did make me sign up as a member um, so I can get my discount um, and uh, look, this company I actually knew this company for many years uh, this was part of Brazen um, years ago um, when I think what well, that's when the visa was part of it so that was you know years ago so I do you know, it was a great concept and it was first in its um, of its kind when I first uh, innovated it was great people into homeware and things um, and now the, as Luke touched on, it's mature. You know, it's a mature business going through a housing down cycle. You know, um, as an investor, you ask why? Why do I need to own it? Um, this company is uh, is consumer discretionary. Uh, it is exposed to very discretionary end when consumer heading into downturn. It's a COVID beneficiary. People bought enough amount of candles and oil burners, um, and also it's linked to housing when the housing is going down as well. So look, it just exposed to all the really really tough environments and it doesn't have new store rollout to help it to. Get out of that kind of um, downtrend. So you know it's going to be really tough for this business. I, I haven't really checked with in terms of balance sheet. Um, these kind of businesses really do have operating deleverage. Um, you know, usually quite severe. Whether they carry too much inventory, how the inventory is going, whether cash conversion uh, is is, is going to be okay. So you know this this is when you um you know these business business will go through a really tough time in the next 12 months. So you know if you really love the concept wait till it comes out on the other end. Um, you might rather pay just a little bit more, but my feeling is that it will go lower before it hits higher. Okay.
0: All right. So let's uh, sum up the first half of the show then. We began with our supervisor stock picked by both of our experts as to what they would be finding a compelling buy right now. Junbei uh, picking Ramsey Healthcare, uh, saying it just represents compelling value uh, at the moment is the, the private hospital network. Uh, Luke's buy is uh, Prophecy International. In fact, it was his uh, pick for the uh, the Christmas stocking. Uh, That's the global software solutions company. To the stocks as picked by you, uh, the first one was JB Hi-Fi, the retailer, and we've spoken about a couple uh, this first half hour, um, both acknowledging the difficulty the retailers face, particularly in the year ahead. Uh, Luke, uh, perhaps looking to buy into it over the next uh, two to three years, uh, but acknowledging that retailers have proved to be more resilient perhaps than expected. Jumbei, though, a little more uh, pessimistic about it. Uh, does have a sell on it. Uh, deploy your money elsewhere. Uh, just looking at that tough environment over the course of this year. Xero, uh, cloud accounting, uh, software business. Uh, Jumbe, um is saying it's, it is a growth company likely to be better than those cyclicals, but uh, she's neutral on it at the moment, perhaps looking to buy. And Luke, um, he's also essentially waiting to get into zero. Seek, uh, the uh, employment website. Um, Luke, once again, talking about his resilience, but saying it does look expensive. He does have a hold on it. Whereas Yumbei, a sell, um, trading a bit like retailer. she says, and difficult 12 months ahead. REA Group, sort of similar space, but in employment. Uh, Junbei, a high-quality company, which Luke agrees with, a hold, Luke also a hold, maybe take a bit of profit. And finally there, the retailer Dusk. Uh, Luke, he does like it, would like to buy it, uh, but he's going to wait, whereas Junbei has a sell on that stock. All right, uh, let's get into our own high-conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that, is live here to watch at ausbiz.com so checking in on the portfolio updates and going into december in the new year Bapcourt and dominoes were removed index and and in education were added to the portfolio and elders waiting was increased checking in on its performance and our fund is up five and a third percent on a cumulative return basis since the beginning of march so keep sending in your requests keep call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next
2: Site.
0: And welcome back to the second half of the call. Uh, the next five stocks we're going to take a look at. Medibank Private, Next DC, Appen, Setire and Redbubble. So, to Medibank Private, of course, the, the headlines um, from a couple of months ago was that cyber attack and clearly, as a result, the share price suffered a, a sharp fall. Um, not terminal though. Uh, interesting to see how the business is recovering from here on. Um, Particularly, uh, you know, I guess the trends we're seeing with uh, private health insurance. So, Jumbe, what do you see as the outlook for MediBank Private?
1: Look, that, I do think that uh, Medibank Private looks, um, you know, quite interesting at the current point. Uh, the outlook for this company is, look, uh, reasonably benign. Um, you know, this company has, uh, first of all, this company has been the beneficiary of COVID because people couldn't go to private hospital and, you know, or, uh, a private hospital has to be shut for elective surgery. Um, so people were not making much claim. And even though Medibank has gave back a lot of um, benefit that they received because of lack of claims, um, they still make good money. So, and then at the same time, when consumers become a bit more health conscious, they're taking on more uh, private health um, sort of insurance. So, you know, environment for the last three years for this company has been great. Now, um, we're heading into environment where we just talk about Ramsey's my talk, Eventually people will come back and the elective surgery waiting list is now very long. So, um, you know, that just means earning will gradually um, you know probably looking at more flat earnings to downwards a slight down in the next few years um just as people start coming back but it's coming back quite slowly company pays a really good dividend very strong balance sheet um and well managed and this company has always been always been, there's been many rumors about being uh become one of the target for a lot of offshore um sort of uh private health insurance uh, offshore insurance company So, you know, this company looks um, very defensive, good dividend yield, Um, earnings looking flattish. Um, You know, it wasn't too expensive, too interesting before, but now because ship price has fallen because of this uh, uh, cyber attack. And we all know from historical um, experiences when events like that take place they never really last that long in terms of earnings hits um, you know so far we've seen some turn. Uh, there will be some lawsuits uh, but all that together usually they're quite temporary and we see this company represent a pretty good value um, it's a buy for me um, and uh, you're looking at good return uh, over the next 12 months and um, and then while it's earnings not uh, is reasonably defensive in a fully uh, sort of slowing economic environment
0: okay Luke, what are your thoughts then? And, you know, obviously appears to be recovering from that uh, that devastating cyber attack.
2: Mm. I agree with Junbei's last point. I think the appeal of something like Medibank today is all that uncertainty we've spoken about, you know, the first half of the show. This is the sort of stock that's pretty well insulated from all that. Now, um, it does have obviously its own company specific issues, Andrew, Um that cyber attack. I think the key question from an investor point of view, there'll be the one-off costs of, of litigation, upgrading security systems. You know, there might be, it might even go over multi years. That sort of um, refresh of, of infrastructure and whatnot. Um, but I think the question you need to ask is, has there been an impact to the brand that, that you know, lasts longer than that and you know, might see Medibank underperform its peers um, and, and seed market share to you know, the likes of NIB and others? Um, you know, I, I sort of take the view, I think we're very desensitized to these cybercrime attacks. They, they make headlines and probably deserve to, don't get me wrong, but I don't think you see a great deal of shift in consumer behavior. Um, and so I suspect Madibank will will do okay over the next few years, despite the the issues around the the, the cyber attack. Um, Fully agree with Junbei, prior to COVID, private health insurance was a pretty tough industry. There was a a strong trend away from from growth as people sort of didn't see the value of private health insurance, uh, particularly younger people. Um, COVID saw, you know, return to growth of that overall industry as, as, you know, we we all became sicker. Um, You know, people sort of maybe reassessed the the need for private health insurance and Junbei was correct. They saw the benefit on the other end of, you know, we weren't able to access hospitals as easily. So, you know, you bring in extra claims and don't have, have extra payouts and, and now giving some of that back as a, as a gesture of goodwill potentially offsets the cybercrime stuff. Um, look, this is this comes down to what sort of investor you are. If you're an investor who wants, um, you know, really strong capital growth in your business and you want to see strong earnings growth and, and, you know, you look at the stocks we spoke about in the first half, like Zero REA and Seek, those are the growth businesses that will give you earnings growth, um, uh, you know, throughout a cycle. Um, this is not that sort of business. It's going to be low to mid-single digit, but it's going to be safe. It's going to be steady in, in an uncertain year. There's some investors I think will be very attracted to that. So, you know, have a look at the dividend yield. Um, if, if that's sort of attracted to you as an investor, I think this is a stock you can look at. Um, but for anyone else seeking that capital growth, it's probably one you just avoid and, and you go after some of those sort of stocks we were talking about before. Okay. Let's
0: move on to NextDC. Um, it is uh, it builds and operates um, data centres, um, struggling for profit. In fact, it's been investing in uh, in growth, spending a lot. Uh, takes a lot of money, Luke. Obviously, to build these centres, it has sort of been compared with a REIT of sorts, given the property that it has.
2: Yeah, look, it gets compared as a REIT. It sort of gets compared to infrastructure assets as well. And to be honest, it's not one that I'd kept a close eye on. And when I looked at it for the program, I was I was shocked at how well this stock has held up in an environment where interest rates have risen as, as hard as they had and, and other assets like NextDC have sort of been hit much harder. Um, look, I actually think there's a little bit of a, um, uh, you know, incorrect narrative around data center stocks um, as i said before i think the simple narrative that we want to give them as investors are, are those infrastructure-like assets you spend a lot of money up front you know to the point i think next dc have broken out they're close to three billion dollars in um, in capex um, to date um, you build these you build these data centers and then you harvest cash flows for the next 10 20 30 years of, of a trend that admittedly that that trend to cloud computing is strong. We're in the early innings. It will continue on for some time. I think what gets missed is half of that capex is to fit out your data centers. So you you, you develop the land, build the building, then you need you know. Um, billions of dollars of servers essentially to go into these data centers um, and they are not assets that that simply last 10 20 30 years the upgrade cycle on those assets is closer to maybe three or four and if you have a look at next dc that's about half of their capex you know about 1.3 billion today has been just fitting out their their server rooms and so i, I don't think their their assets that there should be priced like infrastructure Um, You know they use EBITDA as a metric which is not a great one because cash doesn't convert that well because of that capex and admittedly some of that is growth and maybe should be adjusted but a lot of it will be maintenance capex you've got to you know you've got to continually upgrade these server rooms Um, they're a victim of higher power prices because a lot of coolings required to do it. Look. Long story short, I actually probably come to a sell on a stock like this. I I think it's been misunderstood by the market as to the actual economics of a data center business, Um, and it trades far too expensive to me uh, based on the capital they've employed and the returns they're getting on that. And I don't think those economics really improve at at scale. I think capital really needs to keep continually coming into this business to, to, to maintain it so it's probably a sell for me and I'd mm. look to deploy it if you want if you wanted that infrastructure like exposure you know buy the actual infrastructure assets buy transurban um, you know stocks like that to me that's much more akin to, to what you're looking for with that sort of logic of um, you know uh, steady cash flows coming back to you as, as shareholders all right interesting take juba what's your take on it
1: Look, um, for me, I think, um, you know, to me, I do look at it as an infrastructure stock. It is a infrastructure stock for the future. Um, you know, data center, even though we're hearing all the tech company laying off people and things because things are a bit tougher, they still have hired a lot of people. And there's been so much demand, um, you know, with the online usage, with the demand for data centers, demand for data, really, um, you know, um, I think previously when, before we even had NBN, people talking about how much data we'll be using once you had AB NBN, that's all gone through whatever the previous estimate was. So, you know, the data usage is only ever going to grow. And there's, you know, you need places to house them. And you need technology to be able to move them from one place to another quickly. And uh, with our latency and all these other things that come to comes to it, and you know, nextec is one of the first, and it's one of the um, you know good ones as well. So you know, so for me, this company is infrastructure stock. Its valuation has come off because of the. Uh, you know people worry about oh well because of this whole uh flight from you know it's, uh, a high interest rate and affects this evaluation uh, but this company is very close to winning a few more contracts um in the next few months and we have seen overseas because the valuation for some of the data centers come up we've seen quite a few m a the mergers acquisition taking place um so you know i do think and next DC will be next on the uh, on the on the uh, those acquirers targets if the share price stays at where it is and i do think that um you know it's uh it's a uh, next contract next bigger contract is getting very close um you know and uh, and this company has been working on these contracts for quite some time and they've got now the capacity across melbourne sydney um, and um, you know, and then they, um, you know, they can take on quite a large one. So you know, so I do think there's a few positive catalysts coming through. The negative news is in the in the price. You know, everyone knows how much money cash they're spending, the capex and things. Um, but that's the very nature of this business. So um, yeah, so for me, it's a buy at this point, and I do think the catalyst is not very far away for this company
0: all right interesting um to a diversity of opinion right there for next dc let's uh, now take a look at appen it is the artificial intelligence uh, data services company uh recently shares got a bit of a boost Jefferies, i think was out with a note uh saying that it's, it's looking quite attractive at the moment given i guess where that share price has gone goodness over the last two two and a half years it has been savage just uh, it's a very ugly looking chart so yeah, Jumbeid, is, um, is Apple appealing then, particularly at these levels?
1: No, look, it's not appealing. Um, but is it a short? Probably not. Um, I think the risk, if you if you hold this company now, you're kind of just hoping for someone to take it private. Um, and that someone, you know, could be anyone. Uh, now, the challenge for this company, as we touched on before, um, globally, tech companies are cutting uh, cutting costs because you know things are tougher money are more expensive um, So, you know money harder to come by they need to run at profitability So so you don't want to be part of that tech supply chain and appen is one of the few company in Australia Actually is completely explode, exposed to that tech supply chain um, you know earning has turned negative for uh, pretty much two years now and had numerous downgrades. Now, CEO's gone, you know, it is going through, well, they got a new CEO. Um, you know, it, it is going through some really challenging period. And I think only thing can save it is really to be sold um, to, um, you know, th- this, uh, whether it's to sold to the um, the, the second, uh, second largest player in the market, um, you know, who had, apparently has made a bid, but then withdrew on the same day. Um, and um, or you know some other businesses it just seems really challenging I'd be avoiding this stock um, but you know for some brave minds want to play for the um, emergency acquisition maybe there's a chance
0: yeah okay um, Luke are you as negative on Appen
2: um, I am Andrew I think um, is right the only salvation for shareholders is likely a, a takeover and, and that's that's possible because I think there is a there is a business here, um, but you're not seeing it right now because there are a lot of, um, I think, excessive expenses in, the, in that cost base that um, as growth started to slow through 2021 and 2022 for the business, um, management basically tried to invest to, to, to get that back. And it just hasn't worked, I think. You know they sort of misread where they were in the where they were in the market and where that sort of um, that need for the picks and shovels to that AI where, where they play um, was was really shifting against them. So um, Junbei's based right. You've now had sort of two years of, of basically straight downgrades to the point where even if you were to value it on on their latest guidance, about 20 times EBITDA. So that is not cheap. Um, you're not talking about a bottomed out valuation here. Um, there's still a lot of optimism in the price that earnings can recover to where they've been historically. And there's just no evidence that that, that could happen in the short term. Um, in fact, it's, it's the exact opposite. The, the earnings have only gone one way. And bear in mind, they capitalise $20 million of R&D every year. So, you know, 13 to 18 milli, but DAR is likely um, cash flow negative for the business. Um, so, look, I, I think if you're there, you're only there as a potential takeover and, and, and likely you'd be thinking it's a private equity business that would come in and, and look to strip out maybe $10, $20 million worth of costs off the um off the expense base, um, but I don't like to play that game, Andrew. I, I think it's a dangerous one for investors to try and invest, you know, for a takeover. To me, it's always just a cherry on top of an investment thesis. You want the mm. businesses to be working themselves, and if you get that takeover, brilliant. You, you don't want to be there just for that. So I'm avoiding Appen. Um, you know, takeover aside, you would only come back in once you see those actual fundamentals turn around. Don't worry about the share price. Don't look at where it's been. That's the biggest mistake you can make as an investor. The market doesn't care what price you bought at just look at the fundamentals of the business and wait until they start to turn around and again there's just no evidence that's happening so i'm on the sidelines if i held it i'd actually sell it
0: right okay otherwise avoid it if you don't all right a brutal story there for app and let's move on we're back into retail now with Setire. it is the online fashion retailer um, recent news um an agreement with xenia um But, uh, look, it offers a broad range of uh, of personal luxury goods, uh, but it is in that retail space. So, Luke, how do you see Setire?
2: It's a really interesting stock, Andrew, very controversial. Um, You know, a fairly recent listing, it has been hyper growth, you know, triple digit growth. And even um, the the FY23 to date has been 70 to 80%. The business is growing insanely fast Um, now. It was loss-making in FY22. Um, it's so far come out at the AGM and, and first quarter updates and said that it is um, EBITDA uh, positive for, for FY23 to date um, to the course of about $8.5 now. You know that's adjusted EBITDA you would probably like to get your hands on the half-year report in february before you you really acted too hard on a stock like this just to see you know what's happening below that adjusted EBITDA line it, it could be you know some accounting tricks or something like that but um you know i suspect that the, the majority of that that really quick pivot to profitability is management's called out that their um, sales and marketing expense ratio has fallen from about 15% of sales in FY '22 to, to high single digits. Now, you know, at the rate you're growing, if you're bringing that expense ratio backwards, um, that's where you get that really strong uh, pivot to profitability. Um, so, look, you know, I I've run some very, very rough numbers of sort of extrapolating the EBITDA growth you've had so far through the year. Um, you know, it might be trading on about 15 to 20 times, you know, forward earnings. That's very, very reasonable for that growth you're getting. Um, what I think complicates the investment story at a medium to longer term point of view is Setire is a business model based on the gray market for luxury goods. So, you know, they sell this, they sell this marketplace where, um, you know, uh, third party resellers and uh, and distributors uh, of luxury goods sell through Setire. They don't actually, well, sorry, previously they didn't really engage the brands directly. They were going through, through resellers and distributors. That's starting to pivot, and you could sort of see this coming because as the business grew and became a you know a large distribution point for these luxury goods, you can sort of see these guys wanting to come in and, and control that distribution, and in particular control the pricing. I mean, Setire, their main marketing is it's cheaper luxury goods, but that's a bit of an oxymoron. I mean, you know, the whole point of a luxury good is that it, it's not supposed to be cheap. So, it, the the most recent um, announcement was uh, Zegna, a luxury goods provider, is now engaging Setire. Directly rather than going through distributors and, and resellers. And I suspect that's the longer term bear thesis for satire. You probably lose your competitive advantage when the luxury good um, the luxury providers themselves mm. take control of their distribution on the platform. You lose that supply of cheap goods um, and you become just another retailer. So That's the longer-term thesis. Short-term, I think it looks really interesting. It is only for the the, the speculative high-risk investor though, because it is a very volatile business, just given that growth and given that expense base can quickly move around. So um, look, if you own it, I would hold it. If you're someone who is willing to take on some higher risk, I think this looks pretty interesting at that valuation and the growth rate. I would probably wait until the half-year report though, just to clarify that that 8.5 mil EBITDA, they've sort of uh, reported the AGM, is flowing through to cash flow there's no accounting tricks there and it's mm-hmm. all nice and clean but if that's the case it, it actually looks quite interesting to me okay Jube.
1: yeah so this one actually i agree i think it looks very interesting it's you know global online uh, luxury uh, market is enormous um you know this company uh, is only 0.3 percent of that market um now you know I, my recommendation will be at this point is wait and see um, it is very speculative very early stage and as luke said it is going through that transition of industry um you know of a great industry going to more Um, you know, more direct control by the brand owner. The top player in this space is Farfetch that has 3.7% market share. Then you've got the Netoporter, 2.9% market share. So, you know, you are playing with the big guys and, you know, and then if you look at some of those, the the likes of Farfetch, they are, you know, working with retailers, Um, they are not playing in that great market and yet they can perform very well so you know i think there is a space for them to be able to engage with brand owners and then also you uh, utilize your consumer base and uh, you know be um be the next big thing so but they wait and see it's very early stage and it's still going through that transition yet to have all the entire brand portfolio you know in terms of brands just doesn't have enough compared mm-hmm. to the large um and to a company like that because it's very early stage of that kind of uh infancy of that um, sort of, um, sort of industry, um, sort of ch- uh, transformation. They need to spend. I just think it will be very difficult when they start trying to focusing on, you know, cash flow and, you know, trying to make money. When you're so small part of that growing uh, of of that, you know, industry that is going through transformation, um, they 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 may not become relevant if they don't keep their brand up. Um, so for me, it's 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 risky proposition. It's interesting to watch, and um, in a, in the next few years to see how they go. Okay. It's
0: all right, okay. Finally, to Redbubble, we better make this quick. We are running out of time. Uh, it is the art e-commerce marketplace. It uh, was a COVID winner, but uh, share price has looked at uh, what's been in free fall essentially since then. Uh, EBITDA uh, for FY22 was down 121%. Uh, looking ahead, the company is saying that it's expecting revenues to improve, and it's also embarking on cost cutting. So Bay what then is the outlook for Redbubble?
1: Look, it's a sell. I think it's um it's uh, it's a clear covert winner selling a lot of masks and then because of the traffic going through the website selling masks and they had done really well through that whole COVID period, now it hasn't really broadened it out its portfolio. It just become too niche. Um so it is um it is going through a very tough time and cost cutting to me for a high growth company, where you're cutting costs is always a very dangerous proposition. Uh, it is too short term. Um, and when you believe the future market is meant to be multiple times bigger than what you expect. So um look to sell at this point um, and um, put your money elsewhere.
2: Okay, Luke. Um, I agree, Andrew, and, and look, you know, it's uh, we've got Redbubble and Appen, um, they're the two big losers, um, you know, of that sort of 2021 period coming, you know, look at the chart right there, um, to say their cost cutting is actually not quite accurate, they're still going to grow costs, but slower than what they initially got at oh, right. the start of the year, yeah, and, and that's the problem I have, so, so go back to well, my Yeah, it's reducing
0: on- hiring, I think that's the way to put it, that's, that's yeah, one of exactly. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So go back to my comments on Appen. Um, as growth slowed, Appen really um, sort of invested to try and get that growth back, and, and Redbubble's done the same thing. So as their growth was slowing, they tried to invest in the business, invest in sales and marketing, and, and try to return to growth. And it just hasn't happened. So y- you know you've had revenue actually come backwards in the last update, but but now on a much more elevated cost base, and, and has swung from a small um, EBITDA profit to, to a heavy loss. And so, look, similar to Appen, if you're there today, I think your only salvation is a a takeover and and someone comes in and and probably unwinds all that extra investment that's gone into the platform and and brings it back to the sustainable, you know, small profit making it was in the past. Um, But until you see that fundamental turnaround in the business, I I just, I I can't own it. So um, I I would sell it if you're there because same comment on Appen, I'm not Mm -hmm. there for a takeover. Um, and you want to see, you know, revenue growth return some more discipline over their investments in the business and their cost and, and more likely to go back to what we were just saying, Andrew, you know, don't just slow your hiring. This is a business that probably needs to, to you know, start hacking away at the cost base quite, quite aggressively. So um, it's a sell for me, um, even on the, well, I mean, it's tipped into a loss making uh, but but even if you were to use some historical um, valuations, it's again, like Apple, not that cheap. The market is sort of looking at where it's been. Yeah, and, and, and sort of sort of valuing some some blue sky that I think is no longer there. So sell sell for me on Redbubble. Yeah, that's a double sell then.
0: All right, so let's sum up where we've been for the second half of the show. Uh, Medibank Private, the private health insurer. Um, Joombe has a buy on it, whereas uh, Luke's saying, yeah, it looks largely insulated from macro headwinds, but he's avoiding it at this point. Uh, next, you see the data centres, uh, both agreeing, it's more of an infrastructure asset uh, stock there. Um, but Luke does have a sell on it, saying it does look too expensive at this point. Joombe, though, has a buy on it. Um, and talking about it as a stock of the future. Appen, well, we heard there um, an avoid essentially from both. The only respite for uh, shareholders potentially is for a private takeover of the company. Satire, uh, the online retailer, uh, both calling it an interesting stock. Um, Luke has a whole... If you're looking at a bit of risk, potentially a specky buy, um, Jumbei, more willing to, to wait at this point, avoiding it um, right now. And Red Bubble there, well, it is a double sell. All right, thanks to our guest. Jumbei, thanks for joining us from Trebekah.
1: Thank you very much. Have a, have a great new year.
0: You too. And Luke, thanks for joining us from Merryweather Capital.
2: Thanks, mate. Look forward to the year.
0: Yep, good one.
2: All right, that
0: is our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at osbiz.tv. Coming up, the small caps. is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree.